Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. And welcome back to the Forever Blue Shirts Radio podcast. I am Russell Hartman. I'm so happy to join the other two members of the top line this week. Boys, thank you for holding it down last week. It was great listening to you guys. I had some prior arrangements, some things I had to take care of, and these guys did an awesome job last week. How are both your weeks going, guys? My week is going all right. I'm it's, I'm still it's alive. Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. It just started. <laughs> it just started. <laughs> it just started. There's no reason for we us can't, to We have... can't get off on a positive note. We can't say, oh, everything's going all right so far. No, no of course not. After the two <laughs> Rangers. We have, we have to complain about something. My gosh. <laughs> Jeez. He had the audacity to be like, how's your week going, guys, after this atro- atrocious two games well, in a row? Well, the Saturday game wasn't Florida. so bad. The other game the was. The Sunshine State. But either way, <laughs> it is what it is. We are in a dark mood today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to the listeners. <laughs> but, Start uh, off on the right foot, Russell. How was your how day? How was your day? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you want to talk about something positive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going well. I mean, the real congratulations is you, Kevin. Congratulations on starting new work. You know, it's always it's always a good thing. So good stuff. Um, but yeah, like we need to puff up Kevin even more. Like he doesn't oh, have a, like there. he doesn't have his own inflated sense of self. But okay, what what where is this coming from? <laughs> Can we just get onto the Rangers? Like, come on, come come on! After a long day of come on, Eileen. hard work. Okay, I get berated. I'm <laughs> well, Jesus. <laughs> let's start on let's start some news because obviously you don't want to All leah right, sanderson as you may know at this point in the week as you're listening to this on this wednesday um he's been sent down to hartford um i would say it's a long time coming what about you russ well i mean look leah sanderson for all, everything that's been said about him all the controversy this year about the guy it seems no matter what he does he wasn't getting past the fourth line if ever, despite anything he was doing in the lineup. So would you rather have him play fourth line with Brendan Smith and Michael Haley and Greg McKegg, or would you rather have him down in Hartford playing top line, top power play, top penalty kill? And I think most of us would like that trade-off to have him play all of those minutes in Hartford. JL, what about you, man? Why, let me ask you this. Why do you think that's the case, Russell? Why do I think it's the case that they sent him down? Why do you, th- why do you think it's the case that he was in the situation to begin with? It's tough to say because for all intents and purposes, he had a really good camp. And we talked about that on the show and we've talked about it in person a bunch of times. But when you have a guy who's trying as hard as he is, it just seems like it's a bit of a mystery to me why he is seemingly the only center that is unable to crack the top six at any point during the season. I mean, we've seen Howden there. We've seen Hedl there now. Um, Zabanajad, of course. Ryan Strom there. But it just seems like that whole hard-working argument that David Quinn likes to put forward is applying to everyone but Leah Sanderson, and that part is still kind of strange Well, do you think that maybe that could fall on him, too? I mean, because if Howden and all these other guys seem to rise up to the occasion when needed, don't you think maybe there's something in his game that they don't seem to like? I mean, it's not an indictment on him, per se. you got to look, I mean... look at it this way, though, because Leah Sanderson was playing fourth line minutes because he was quote-unquote more defensively sound. He was doing penalty kill. He was taking good defensive zone face-offs. And you can't really do the line mate, line mate's argument because Brett Howden played with Brendan Smith at one point. Yes, he did. So it's not, it's not like he it was not like he didn't play with bad players, quote-unquote bad players. No. But, you know, Leah Sanderson, personally to me, didn't look like he was 100% in it. It looked like he was 
struggling at times. And the worst part about it was, you know, Quinn was like, we don't want Kratzov and Hedl up here if they can't play top nine minutes. Why didn't that apply to Leas? Yeah. And, and that's the point. You see him down there That's what I'm trying to that, say, that, too. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, why, why, why is it that, you know, you have this exception for Hedl and, and um, Kratzov, but you don't have this exception for Leas Anderson, who's just as young. I mean, maybe a little bit older, but, you know, still, uh, still a kid. Maybe different type of player, different type of uh, play style. Yeah, but I mean, I mean like you, you, I mean like you, you're just gonna put him on the fourth line. It's like you, he did so great last year in Hartford when he went back. Down. No, he did, he did. I, I, although you know, to touch on what I, my my thoughts on it is that, you know, he he came, he had a great camp like Russell alluded to, and he was awesome. You know, playing. I with thought he was some, one of the better. better no, he was. I guess and, younger guys. Yeah, yeah, and he he beat he even beat out Heedle. But I think what ended up happening was is I mean you could say the whole line mates part and whatever, but you know let, let let's let's be real here. I mean you have, it's not like they had him here, and they were scratching him consistently. I think he got scratched what twice, mm-hmm. and it's already not only, even. I think it was only one. Only time. one time. Okay, so even if you want to kind of throw that argument you have to give us something and this is my thing that from what i've seen from having gone to so many games this season so far not a big deal um <laughs> it's not like jail has no money already. kevin shut up kevin guys i have no money guys i can't come visit you no, i can't come to Brooklyn, guys no, i can't do it it's called but i'm going to see the rangers again it's called reading the market there goes my bozos. 17th jersey on ebay this morning <laughs> it's called reading the market you bozos anyway oh, it's okay you have like 25 Five dollar tickets anyway, so it's. I don't know how you swung that. Anyways, um, yes, yes. Give us, give us your tail. Wow, talk about, talk about discrediting me fast, man. Kevin, you're the worst. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I got attacked first. I got attacked somewhere else, man. Like, it's getting ridiculous. Um, no, but what I'm saying is, is that I think the organization does believe in him, and I think if they had wanted to get rid of him, they would have gotten rid of him by now. And I think with what they saw in Heedle, they definitely want to have the same result with Anderson. Anderson could definitely be the guy. With Michael Haley being put on waivers and more than likely not going to be on this team moving forward for the near-distant future, and with Mika Zibanejad coming back sooner rather than later, you're looking at him playing with you know, pretty much better players. So once he fixes his game, I think what the Rangers are looking for primarily, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is from just what I see, is... um, Face-offs and defensive positioning. That's what I think what they're looking for. Because mm-hmm. they, it, it's not just him that's terrible on face-offs. All the other centers needed help. The Rangers enlisted Brad Richards to help them out. But it seems like he was the one that was always falling behind. Pavel Butchnevich was able to play with a guy like Tanner Glass. So if Leas is definitely super talented, then he can definitely do something with Brendan Smith. Brett Howden was able to do it. Leas Anderson should be able to do it. It's good that he's in he's in Hartford and he's going to you know, work on his game. Tim Gettinger, I wish you nothing but the best of luck here, and I hope that you can be worth something for the Rangers in the near-distant future. You know, you bring up an interesting point. You say that Booch had, you know, not success, success, but he was able to play with a guy like Tanner Glass, which has happened at various points. But when you want a seventh overall pick, when you want a really young kid on your squad to to kind of get acclimated to the city, get acclimated to the team and start really showing what he's got, I don't think the best course of action is saddling him to a guy like Brandon Smith. They're saddling him to a fourth line role because Ultimately, if they want Leas to be that guy, to be better at faceoffs, be a better defensive center, to be that two-way force, um, 
I, I still don't think it sends the right message putting him down there. And, you know, maybe he won't ever be that kind of player that's that dynamic top six offensive center wheeling and dealing the puck in the offensive zone. But in a rebuilding season, when you're still seeing what you have and there's so many moving parts, you know, even Kapokaka wasn't playing in the top six right now. He's mainly been on a line with Brett Howden and Brendan Lemieux for the past few games. You would think you just want to see what you have. Now, Leah Sanderson has not really gotten even a look. And I understand, you know, you want to see more from him in certain parts of his game. And maybe Brett Howden and, Zabana, and of course, Mika Zabanejad and Philip Heedle, number one, has been lighting the world on fire since his call-up. But maybe you want to just, you know, give him a shot. Like, Ryan Strom has been, honestly, for all the things we've said about he's him, he's been good. a revelation this year. He's, he's been, been very awesome. good this year. Absolutely. He's increasing that trade value but game in and at game a certain game point, At a certain point, you have to realize that having Leas play up in, the, up in the lineup for a few games won't be so detrimental to this club in the long term. This is not a season where you're trying to win the Stanley Cup. This is not a season where we're expected big things from the squad. Well, let me me ask you this. Let me interject on that point real quick, Russell. I want to see your answer on this. Mm -hmm. So let's say you put him up on the second line or the third line. You give him a couple of more minutes, and he still hasn't really worked out the defensive kinks in his game. Would... Does it does that seem like the right course of action? Let's say he ends up playing against a really solid team with a really solid second line, and Leas is running around all over the ice, not fully prepared for it yet. How, how do you think that would do for his kind of confidence? I don't necessarily think that just sticking him there until he's at least halfway prepared does him any good either. You know, like. It, the thing what the thing that people like to get on about Brett Howden is that oh Brett Howden's not offensively creative, but yeah the guy is a damn good defensive center though that's why he's earned the spot to play with Kako and and um, Lemieux or Kako and Lemieux. So my my thing to you is, do you think that exposing him and kind of leaving him out to dry because let's be real, he hasn't really been that good down the middle, you know. So do you think having him there exposing him? Does him any good than sticking him down into hard for at least putting him on the fourth line and giving him that kind of shot as well? I I, I don't know, man. That's a little, hmm. but well, to sometimes see what someone's really made of and sometimes to see what someone has it within them, you need to throw them into the deep end. Um, you know, sometimes, as John Tortorella used to say when he coached the Tampa Bay Lightning way back when, safe is death, and. Maybe Leah Sanderson playing these sheltered minutes, the coaching staff like seeing him down there. They like what he, you know, trying to build, trying to build slowly, slowly his confidence by giving, playing him against some of the lesser lines in the league. But eventually, when you spend that high of your draft capital and you trade a guy like Derek Stepan for essentially this player, and of course Tony D'Angelo is in that trade too. Let's not let's not say he wasn't because he was a big part of that oh, trade absolutely. as well. But when you invest that draft capital in a player, this was not a throw-in. This was a pick that the Rangers traded for and used to draft this guy, kid this high. Do you really, in a rebuilding year, want to see this kid playing six, seven minutes with players that won't really help him? Now, counterpoint here is when Philip Heedle got sent to Hartford this year, it really lit a fire under him, and look what he's turning to now. He's, he's looking like... He is turning into the player that everyone envisioned when he got picked in the first round in 2017, using his size, using his stick handling well, being an offensive catalyst, and really kind of turning around Chris Kreider's season 
and showing that yeah. he's got great chemistry with Pavel Butchnevich. Oh, so absolutely. Philipp- now, now, not to not to interrupt you, Russ, but there's two courses of action we could we could be taking at this point. If you know, if I was David Quinn, I mean, obviously, if anybody was David Quinn, they would want him up. <laughs> but you know, I've heard and we've been talking about like you know privately that why not have Leah Sanderson play the wing, which is not a terrible idea. You could really if. If the Kako, you know, Howden and Lemieux line wasn't doing as well as they were, you could have Lemieux slot down and then Leas come up and play with Howden and Kako or mix the second and third line together. Now, that's one way of looking at it, but that's not going to happen. It's another thing. It's just like giving him just minutes, not even playing with significant people. The fact that he only he didn't even play four minutes in his last game before he got sent down. Yeah, that's a bit much. I, I didn't exactly yeah. agree See, with that's, that. That's, I, I get like maybe it's like we don't want you to get hurt or we just need a body for today because we're still waiting to bring somebody up and, you know, Zabanjad's not ready and this and that and the usual stuff. But it just it just baffles me. It's like you're going to play the kid four minutes. Obviously, you're going to set him down. Why even put him in the game at that point? Well, you have Greg McKeg. You have Haley. You have, uh, I think, yeah, Haley after that pass game got Put on waivers. Yeah, no, he yeah and, he got put on waivers after that. He barely yeah, played so, much after that penalty he took in the in the early part of that game, anyways. But but yeah, ju- so, but just to just to interject real quick, uh, Kevin Quinn did mention that they were considering putting him on wing um, after they sent him down because I guess they feel that maybe they could probably maximize you know his potential more on mm-hmm. wing. And then personally, I think as a winger, I think he'll do better. You know, we I think because there, there's so much defensive responsibility yeah, coming exactly. with the center. It's just, it's not, NHL is not the place to fine-tune being a center. No. It seems like the AHL, because at this point, Leah Sanderson's not an AHL player. He's not an NHL player. This is what we've talked about before. He's a quad A player. If you get the reference between AAA and the big leagues for baseball, Mm -hmm. you would understand this reference. They're not good enough to be an everyday player in the big leagues, but they're too good to be an everyday player in the minor leagues. Leah Sanderson is at that part right now because we know he's going to go down there. He's going to tear it up. If you look at the numbers last year, it's kind of misleading because the Hartford Wolfpack were so bad last season. And now they made a whole 180 and they're really good. This is the test. If Leah Sanderson is not able to produce with this high-scoring, defensively sound Hartford Wolfpack team, then there's a problem. If he goes down there and he's right as rain and everything looks fixed, great. Give him some time, acclimate, bring him back. No fourth line. If you're going to bring him back and put him on the fourth well, he's line, be up. Th- he's there's no play point. Up. There's no point at that. Then you throw him on the wing. Well, someone's going to have to get traded. He needs traded. confidence. That's the thing. Someone, he needs confidence. Someone's going to have to get traded. That's the thing. But this early? I mean, like you might as well just keep him down the whole season. Might as well, unless February comes and you, do, you bring him Do you him really down. think that someone's going to get traded this early? I mean, obviously, we don't know. We didn't well, know about Nemestikov. Well, well, famously, we like we alluded to last podcast, yeah. Nemestikov got dealt. Look, <laughs> I think it, it's a tough situation they're in because, you know, you have Ryan Strom playing as well as he is. You have mm-hmm. Filipino playing as well as he is. And look, Brett Howden, for some reason, I agree that he, his defense is kind of is coming along, but for whatever reason... He has the longest leash with David Quinn, and you both can admit that. That he, it seems that his leash is extremely long with the coaching staff. Okay, he's not going anywhere. As much as I think Brett Howden deserves some time down in the AHL as well, but he's here. He's in the NHL. He's going to have to work through the kinks. And Greg McKegg, 
I like Greg McKegg. I don't get the I don't get the Greg McKegg hate from some people. I think Greg McKegg is a quality Whoever fourth line Greg player McKegg who does it. Is a traitor to our country. But go ahead. I was also, about to say they hate America if they hate, <laughs> if they hate Greg Come McKegg. On. I mean, on, thanks at... on this Thanksgiving month, we must give thanks <laughs> for I'm Greg. Just... McKay. McKay. Just look at the name, right? Greg McKay. What a great hockey So it name. flows. You can't hate right. guy well, let me, let me Let me throw this point in here real quick. So I think if Leas does do well in Hartford and he end up, they end up calling him back up and he ends up becoming a bona fide winger, um, if you think about it, if Te- Gettinger goes back down and McKegg plays at center, which what they is what they plan on doing right now with Gettinger on the wing, you know, the Rangers could potentially start playing that fourth line a lot more, if you think about it. They could play the fourth line a lot more if they have Leason because say what you want about Brett Howden, and I'm gonna have to disagree with you on some of that on what you just said, Russell, because I think Howden has sneakily sneakily, am I saying that correctly, he's done a superb job with helping Kako come in and get comfortable along with Brandon Lemieux. So I think that definitely goes leaps and bounds when it comes to at least the leash because that line is definitely contributing when Kako is in. Now, that being said, every good hockey team has four bona fide lines they can throw out at any time. And if the Rangers can see that Anderson can do well on the wing, you just send Gettinger down, use his option, you put McKegg in the middle because Greg McKegg is a defensive forward, and then you just throw him out there for 10, 12 minutes a night. Good teams play their fourth lines just about over 9 to 10 minutes. So I think that's what the Rangers ultimately want to do because you can't supplant at this current moment, you can't supplant really anybody else in the lineup if you want to have some kind of good flow going. So if Zabanajad comes back, Everybody drops down a little bit, and it kind of rounds things out a little bit. So then you're spreading out the talent elsewhere. So when Zabanajad comes back, and if Leah Anderson does well, then you're going to have more talent spread out through the bottom six. And I think if he can really capture his play as a winger or even become a good center again, then you'll, you'll definitely start to see him more. I feel like that's the case if it's you know, a competitive team if they were planning on making the playoffs and it's a it's a it's a fine line between like yeah let's roll four lines and let's be you know as even as a team as possible everybody gets their chance to get on the ice and prove themselves but like like Russell's been saying it's like it's a rebuild year yeah why not get the guys more time it's just here's the truth it's a logjam there's no room for him to play up which is is upsetting, and I get that Brett Howden's numbers aren't great. If you really want to go to the advanced metrics, you can. Please they're don't. not pretty either. Don't hurt my. Brain I'm not going to mention them because I think they're bananas. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little a bit of a reach. We, we, but we can have a we can have a very interesting discussion on how advanced analytics which, in hockey don't really make <laughs> as much sense as you want them to be. But go ahead. Whatever. Regardless, <laughs> like it's one thing to compare like a Korski percentage of like you know fifty point oh one and then forty nine point oh nine or something like that, but, you know, his, Brett Howden's possession metrics are really bad, if you just want to take a look at it. Yeah. 38.6%. I, I think, I, I think the word good. you're looking for is Brett Howden is basically a possession black hole when he's on the ice, which is yeah, really and it's not just, what you want. It's, you got to think of another thing, though. He's also 21. This is his second season in the NHL. But see, all the points you're making, Kevin, 
that Brett Howden's being allowed to do all this, right? I'm not. I never. I never no, said no, I agree with no, it. No, no, I, no, I know. I'm I know, not I know, saying I know. he's and allowed not, to do. And it. I'm not. It's, and I'm not saying that. You're, I'm not saying that that is your stance. You're just stating what the facts of what yeah, he is, he's, how he's no, being no, on the ice. The fact. But, the fact that his average time on ice is um, over 15 minutes is is crazy. And, and my, my whole point. Why? Why? Before, no, I agree with you. Why not just flip them and then see what happens? That is that is it's the just, point that I've been trying to make. Obvi- all obviously, season. there's something underneath the facade of the Rangers that Leah Anderson just isn't doing what he's supposed to do, or you might you're you're right, like maybe other people are right that he just has a shorter leash than Brett Hatton. We don't know the specifics. We can speculate all we want. It's just the 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 numbers don't lie. They're both not playing great hockey. Now, are they both held accountable? No, because Leah Anderson's playing on the fourth line, and Brett Howden isn't. And Kako Kako's playing well, and Lemieux's playing well, so obviously he's going to be like, oh, it's because of Brett Howden winning faceoffs, which is great. But, you know, you know, if Brett Howden continues on this pace, maybe we do see Leah Sanderson come up and Brett Howden go down. We don't know. But I don't, I don't know. It's just the way the range has been playing lately, it's just no one's really, you know, clear except Artemi Panarin. I was just about to say, with literally, there's Artemi one player Panarin. on the team <laughs> that's been golden, and it's Artemi Panarin, and yeah. everybody so else money. can get set down for all I care. Ugh. Artemi so Panarin money. is nothing but money every He's game. So money. I mean, he is literally like I've never had in any of my teams a player so worth the money right off the bat, and I'm so confident later on in the years it's still going to be worth that money. Will Pete Alonso be worth the money of the big contract he's going to get, Kevin? No, because he's not a free agent. He's grown in house. I'm said, talking about said, free agents by itself. Oh, see, so okay. I was alluding like, to down from the another line. team. I was like, alluding to down the line, Kevin. But go ahead, no, trust no, no, my no, no, words, no. will ya? He was. It's like it's like Kako. It's like oh yeah, we signed Kako to a great deal. Yeah, we already had Kako. You know what I mean? It's like we got Panarin. We we took him away by all this money and bonuses yes. and look, come to New York and you know so, you yes. know, he'd be a superstar. We love our Tommy Panarin. That man could do no harm in my eyes. He's amazing. But so Kevin, like you alluded to, Brett Howden is not is not doing so well with his metrics. And I mean the eye test too. You can plainly see that he's not all there right now. But point being, there is something that, like you said, Kevin, that we don't see. Mm-hmm. There's something that's under the surface that apparently the Rangers coaching staff has been seeing that we're not as fans seeing that Leah Anderson is not doing. What that is, I honestly couldn't tell you. But at the end of the day, Leas is now in Hartford. He's going to be their top-line center since Philip Hedl is here. He's going to play with guys like Danny O'Regan and Matt Bolesky down there. I pray to God he does not get saddled with Michael Haley again down there because that would not be <laughs> that the best would, thing that to happen. Would be I really hope that does not happen. It's but. like Michael, he walks in, it's like, oh, hey, buddy. And it's like, yeah. oh, God, not again. I thought yeah, I, have, I, thought I, I, thought I avoided you. <laughs> but, you know, the best thing we can hope for now is Leas finding his game down there, getting the confidence, and pulling off a Filipino 2.0 and coming back up here and basically proving to David Quinn that he – deserves ice time and that he should be up in the lineup as now i'm not even saying top six i'm saying just even third man let him get a little time with kako a little time with lemieux and just see what he could do but now it's the balls in leas anderson's court for him to start lighting the ahl on fire just like philip did so leas please do your thing man don't get discouraged get back up here and show everyone what you got we might have to tell yeah man you're still young yeah 
We might have to tell uh, Steve to clip this part for Leah so he can hear it, because apparently they're like friends now. Oh, yeah, they're like buddies. <laughs> oh, they're like buddies now. Hey, hey yeah. Leah, uh, you want to go grab dinner while I'm in town? And then just... <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes in. And then, and, then, and then next thing you know, Steve is going to be a scout, but... For, oh, those, yes, of course. for those that don't know, Steve and Leah Sanderson are very good friends now. Steve met Leah Sanderson again when he went to Nashville. I mean, like, he um, meets him, like, every single time. Every single time. Kako Cop- Hoppo can wave, like, hey, Steve. He's like, no, 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 no. Uh, keep walking, Le- Yeah, kid. keep walking. <laughs> well, this is a kind Steve, of a if you're listening, one. you'll only talk about prospects. No <laughs> <laughs> burn. So snappy. Uh, it's a burn. It's more just fact. <laughs> okay, let's get to this. Let's get to these other games, man. Let's get to, I, I mean, let's get to the I don't want to talk about them, but let's let's get another to the shoot. Let's talk about the one where we actually scored goals. <laughs> well, I mean, we scored goals in both of them. Well, I mean, did more than goals in Tampa. I mean, so, I mean a goal not... differential that wasn't you know seven. It wasn't a total throwaway. So, Heedles did score guys, two against Tampa. I know we're gonna get there. So Heedle only scores against Tampa. The Tampa Bay Light. <laughs> Before the Rangers even had a shot on goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning last week, the Tampa Bay Lightning scored four goals. Yes, you heard me right. Don't switch us off. The Tampa Bay Lightning scored four <laughs> goals before the Rangers had a shot on goal. Don't switch last us week. off. They already switched I, off the minute say, I like, started talking. Sw- how would they switch us off? They know I'll what we're it. talking about. They could turn it's us in the down. description. They, I had no idea we were on a we were on an old school TV dial. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Click. Anyway. Uh it was it got ugly early. The Rangers were not the Rangers were just taking weird penalties. They were off their game. And I believe that game finished nine to three, if I'm if I'm yes, correct. Nine to nine three. three, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Goal. My goal differential is six, not seven. <laughs> Regardless, Kevin, Kevin, still awful. About these Good at math, Kevin. Good job. Yes, engineer Kevin. <laughs> engineer Kevin, Kevin is, good at math. Kevin is good at math, but please stay away from all the buildings Kevin inspects. We're not sure how safe they are since Kevin does not know simple goal differential math now, but that is a story. Ah, yes, oh. subtraction. Wow. I can do calculus, but I can't do – I use a calculator for simple math. JL, you brought this up when we were introing this segment. Filipino was the lone bright spot in that god-awful nightmare 9-3 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, he continues to grow each and every game and grow into this magnificent top six center that we all envisioned. What do you think, besides being besides the demotion of Hartford, what else do you think just really is lighting a fire under this kid? I don't think he wants to go back down to Hartford. I, 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 <laughs> have you been to Hartford? It's I mean, so okay, all right, okay, no, 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 no. Let, let's not get into that because we do have people from Hartford that listen to this. You guys are walking on. Very, I'm so sorry. Um, no, I, I, I you just, know, you know, you live in New York, and then you go to literally any other city. It's not, the and same. they're all depressing. No, of course, it's like Bridgeport, but. Um, <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, Kevin is sorry for his comments. Ricky. I'm sorry, Greg, 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 uh, yeah, Greg forgive me, Greg. Greg. No, but I just, I just think it's just the burning desire not to want to go back to the minors. I mean, you look at the the the, the AHL compared to the NHL. You get nice food. You know, your jerseys are nice. You know, you get more money. And not only that, it, this is ultimately the goal that everybody wants to get to. So. 
when you play with like a chip on your shoulder, you have more will to want to go out there and play well. And I think what ended up happening was is his natural talent just started coming through. He wasn't thinking as much. The thing with Heedle that was his big thing was he was trying way too hard. He worked out hard in the summer. He kind of filled out a little bit. And now it just seems like he has this authority to just go in and dominate. And it also helps that Buchnevich has also changed his game too. And these guys are possession... Uh, rink rats so they supplement each other on that and then Chris Kreider is just the speed I mean obviously all of them are fast but um, they just kind of supplement each other well and it's given Chris Kreider a little bit more of a bump which is nice because he's starting to become useful again and that's definitely a trickle down thing of Heedle coming in and playing in the middle now I want to ask you this Russell you notice how everything's been a little bit different. What exactly does that do for him when Zabanajad comes back and what happens when Leas comes back or what happens if somebody gets dealt? What exactly happens with Heedle after some of those guys get moved? Okay, well, to start off, you, you don't move Philip Heedle from his spot. I don't care who comes back. I don't care who gets traded. I don't care what gets moved around. Uh, it seems that Philip Heedle has gotten Chris Kreider going. It seems that Philip Heedle and Pavel Buchnevich have this really good chemistry with each other. And it just seems that second line is exactly what they need to be. You know, they are getting the offensive chances. They're doing great when they're on the ice together. You know, originally Chris Kreider this season was not looking that great. And it really was not looking good for him in this contract year. But you have Philip Heedle coming up after the demotion and immediately just sparks Kreider, and he gets Booch going again. And, I mean, you can't move Filipino from that spot. You just can't. So what I would do when Mika Zibanejad is ready to come back, stick. obviously he goes back with Mika. I mean, wow, Mika. He goes back with Artemi. <laughs> wow, brain fart. But um, he goes back with More Artemi. More Mikas. <laughs> you stick, you, you stick Zibanejad back with, with Panarin, and you, you let them work their magic again. And I think Ryan Strom has done more than enough in this time to prove he deserves to stay in the top six. And I know a lot of people probably won't agree with me with that, but Ryan Strom is a point per game player it's right not now. Totally He's off playing base. extremely well. It's not. He's playing extremely well. And you know, a lot of people were calling for his head early in the season, including me, and I'm wrong. I, you know, you could point like, you know, there's always this battle between the charts, the eye test and everything. But the real thing is you need them to, you, you have to watch and you, cause you can't just rely on the charts. You can't just rely on the numbers. It can and you know, really go so far. It, it, absolutely. And Ryan Strom has done more than enough in his time with Artemi Panarin to show that he deserves a chance in this rebuilding season to stick in the top six. Now, he is naturally a center, but at the same time, I think Jesper Fast is playing a little above his breath right now. And as much as I love the guy and as much as he is a player's player, mm-hmm. I think when Mika Zibanejad comes back, you put Mika Zibanejad back with Artem Panarin and you stick Ryan Strom on Mika Zibanejad's other wing. And I think that is exactly oh, how you roll pretty the good. top line. You're, exactly. You're still, see, you're still not separating Artemi and Strom who've gotten this great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Mika comes back, you know, hopefully 100%, which I think they're, they are doing. I mean... Again, rebuild you. You don't have to rush the guy back. No, absolutely, you absolutely not. don't. Let him get healthy. He's proven last season and in the first few games that he did play that he is a powerhouse, an offensive and defensive powerhouse. So he doesn't need to prove anything. And personally, you throw him on there, no one's gonna have a problem with it. No, of course not. I think I think the biggest thing will be 
you know, like you said, Russ, breaking up that line of Booch, Heedle, and Kreider because Kreider really was just dead in dead in the water. Yeah, and that's exactly the term it, I would use. It, dead in the I, water. I never thought because the way he's been playing, like just it, the trend of guys on a contract year. Because you do look at Strom contract year, Fost contract year. You know, Nemestikov now in um, Ottawa, he's playing pretty well, and it's just these guys don't. They don't want to. They don't want to lose out on this money, which is their livelihood. Just to go back though, Philip Hedo, just his seven points in nine games, is unbelievable. And he's his scoring age. a lot. And he's, I mean, it's most. It's mostly goals. Not, not even yeah. scoring. Have you just watch him with the puck? He's he dominates unreal. play. His goals are highlight real goals. He that, he he dominates the play. His he seemed like I mentioned before. He's more confident, which means his natural mm-hmm. talents come out to play. You know, the one thing that we like to do when we see players that get drafted is we automatically go to YouTube and we look up highlights. All it's their the, highlights. All of their highlights. It's basically the same thing we did when Kratsov got drafted. We all scoured the YouTube, you know, dungeon and we, we we were looking at the three videos that were on on him and we were just like, wow, the Rangers hit a home run with that. And when Heedle did it, that's what everybody did and what you're seeing now is what he did before, but now he's grown. And this is what the Rangers wanted from him and they are getting it because he's confident, he's dominating in play like Kevin is alluding to. And it just seems that he's balancing out a lot more of the team than most expected this season. And you know what? That's a damn good thing. Absolutely. And, you know, the point, another big point to make here is that Philip Hedl and Mika Zibanejad have not played together this season. Philip Hedl got called up after the, after the injury to Mika Zibanejad. So we haven't seen the real balance that this lineup has when their number one center is healthy, and now your solid number two center in Filipino, who, by the way, is still only 20 years old, and with Mika Zibanejad, who is, I believe Zibanejad is 26 still. I don't even, I think he's only, I don't think he's 27 yet. So point being, when you have a one, a, a center combination where your top two centers are 26 and 20, you're doing something right as, as we're going along with this rebuild. Um, you know, I like what JL said, how we always look up the highlights immediately when people are drafted you love seeing what they did prior and or, or wait wait is this guy the real deal i'm so yeah, scared exactly. what's gonna happen yeah <laughs> and we expect a lot out of them from the get-go that's me more than that <laughs> you ex- and sometimes we get a little you know we get a little overhyped about these kids and you have to remember that they're kids and i mean with the exception of maybe capo caco who by the way we don't even need to say the the fact that he has the flu right now is the only thing that had, that stopped well, him recently because the kid has just well, been looking straight up dominant. Kako missed those two games and the Rangers lost those two the games. Rangers lost they, coincidence? I, I think not. not. <laughs> and you know, you just you know, briefly, you see the impact that Kako has in the lineup already. But most rookies take a lot more time to acclimate. Not everyone is a Kako Kako. Not everyone is Rasmus Dahlin, and certainly not everyone is a Connor McDavid. But basically. When Mika Zibanejad is back, Filipino should go nowhere. And Ryan Strom, I think, would be great on the wing. Because then again, he doesn't have as many defensive responsibilities as he would have at center. Can be more, I guess, freewheeling a little bit with Artemi Panarin, who, like Kevin said before, their chemistry is coming along really well. Artemi Panarin's even said in press conference, you know, in the press room after games that he likes what is going on with him and Ryan Strom. So you know what? To alleviate everything, move Strom to the right side, have Artemi play the left, put Mika back in the middle, and there's your top six for the time being. You keep the second line, there's your new look top line, 
And whenever Cop- David Quinn feels Kapokaka was ready, you flip him and Ryan Strom, and there's your top nine. Now here's Simple a, here, as here's that, a question like. for you. It was, and anyone can answer this if you feel up for it. So thanks for your permission. <laughs> you're you're very welcome, Kevin. Um, okay, just so give me the give me the question. <laughs> so Cabo is playing well, obviously. What do you think is best for his development? Do you keep him with Howden and Lemieux for the time being, or do you stick him up when Zabanajad comes back? You, you, because no, think about no, it. no, you no, 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 no. You definitely keep him where he is because look, you want the kid to grow at his pace and. Obviously, sticking him in the top six wasn't really doing it. You demote him. He's starting to get more comfortable. You don't have the pressure of the number one D on him all the time. Now he has a little more room. He's playing against guys who aren't as defensively sound. And he's gaining chemistry with guys that are probably going to be on the team longer than some other guys in the top six. And, you know, you want someone like Kako to be as comfortable as possible to get to the point where he's Artemi Panarin, where you could put him with anybody and he'll sc- still score two points a night. He'll still get a goal and an assist. He'll still get two assists. He'll get a highlight real goal. He'll, you know, you know, back check. I don't know if you guys, I think I talked about this last week with Artemi Panarin playing defensively sound. He came back on one play. I think it was against, um, now I can't remember, but I think it was against Carolina or somebody and he made a great defensive play and, you know, you want Kako as offensively capable as he is to also gain that kind of confidence playing defensively, being it's like, I have to come back, I have to defend, and I have to play 200 feet. Because that's what Artemi Panarin does. That's what Mika Zibanejad does. And if you want him on that top line, that's what Kako Kako has to do. So you need to give him all the room and space to grow. He's 18. We're rebuilding. I will say this until we're done rebuilding. You just which don't we, rush Which him. we won't be for a while. But no. I actually no, but, think... I think Kapokako deserve. I think Kapokako should stay, but for a little different reason than you do, Kevin. I think that Kapokako should stay on the third line because I actually think he's been a big help to Brett Howden and a big help to Brendan Lemieux, and that's a very important point to make here because Kapokako could probably play up now. I think. I think if he got inserted to the top six now, I think he'd be better than he was a little early in the season because the kid is just oozing confidence right now. You see it in the goals. You see it when he's holding the puck. You see it even away from the puck a little more. He's getting to his assignments quicker, but at the same time. You don't want to mess with the second line like we've been talking about the whole show. And Ryan Strom seems to have found some type of chemistry with Artemi Panarin. And when Mika Zibanejad comes back, you're not going to stick Mika Zibanejad lower in the lineup. He's your number one center, and he's arguably your best player when he's firing on all cylinders. So what do you do? You keep Kako on the third line. Like Kevin said, you let him play against a little lesser D pairs. And, you know, you let him continue kind of working with Brett Howden. And Brennan Lemieux, and, you, you, you know, if he can get a little more out of those guys, it only bodes well for the Rangers going forward. And, yes, as things go on, Kapokako is going to move up in the lineup. Your, your, your second overall pick is not going to stay in the bottom six forever. No, That's not real here. I would hope here. not. Yeah. yeah. Kapokako will be actually, a top-line player. if he's player. scoring a point per game, would you really move him at that point? I mean, you have <laughs> – he's going to be a, There's no a way you. Player. There was no way no. you would. It's the just, question yeah. I actually have for both of you – and this is something I was thinking about the other day because of contracts being what they are and the rebuild being what it is. Do you guys think that Mika Zibanejad will still be here when his contract is over? And the reason I ask this is because the number of factors here is that we were seeing all, all offseason the guess was that Mika Zibanejad would be named captain of the New York Rangers, but he has not been. And he, you know, everyone was referring to him as a de facto captain. 
You know, the Rangers have taken a lot of centers recently, and you include Brett Howden in that trade for Ryan McDonough. Um, Filipino's been coming out of his shell. You still have Leah Sanderson, who we've been talking about. And I think it's worth to talk about here is, do you think that long-term, with Zabanja's injury history being what it is also, but either of you can answer this first, do you think that internally that they might be second-guessing keeping Mika Zabanjad here after his contract is up? And do you think the solution is maybe someone that they might be scouting within the next few drafts? No. I, I think he's here for a long haul. I think he... There are certain intangibles that Mika brings, especially with the strong maturation of his development. The guy's only 26. He'll be, what, just close to 30 about the time his contract ends. So, really, if you're trying to build a sustained contender and talking about the way they talk about Zabanajad, I, I, I think he's here for longer than the next couple of years in his contract. I, you, you just, the way that they're talking about him and the, the intangibles he brings to the team and just the raw skill that he has, because Hey, let's not forget. He was a first round pick for the senators and some players blossom a little later. And Mika seems to kind of embrace that. I'm the guy I'm helping this team out kind of thing. And I think the Rangers see that. So if it's not this season, it's probably the next season that he will be named captain. Now, lately, over the last couple of years, they seem to ship off their captains without problem, but they all seem to have a legit reason why. There's no legit reason for them to ship off Zabanajad unless there is this huge thing where they end up getting this guy, whomever it is, if it's Henriksen or whomever else it is, that is like a can't-miss guy that they need to clear out room. I think by the time his contract runs up, he'll probably either have an extension, he'll be the captain, and he'll be here for some time. He'll probably be here, hopefully, for the majority of his prime and the rest of his career. I don't see why. You're going to want to keep him for as long as you have Panarin, so you might as well just sink your teeth into him and keep him around for the long haul. Kevin? Well, that That's a great point, JL. It's just, it's so... You're, it's 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 like trying to predict the future because you don't know who's going to be resigned. There is a boatload of players, especially younger players that you want in this rebuild, whose contracts are up before or at the same time as Mika Zibanejad. Now that's not saying you know you can't resign Mika Zibanejad. You also have huge contracts in Mark Stahl, and if he's still here, Brendan Smith <laughs> are up. The man and, that never you know, goes you away. We have a lot of contracts that are up. You know, we don't have, um, you know, uh, Lundqvist's giant contract anymore. But you also have a lot of smaller. I don't want to say denser. It's just not as small. Considerable contracts with you know guys like Fox, uh, Libor Hayek, Lindgren, Leah Anderson, Phil Pedo, Brett Howden. All these guys that you want as your core will want contracts now, not saying they're all going to get four to five million, but they might get two to three, depending on how well they play. And that's what I think where Russell's trying to get at. If you have these guys who need this money and Zabanajet isn't as healthy as you want him to be, and he's not the captain at this point, do you keep him? And it's just, it's so unsure, and I could see why Russell brought this up. I don't sense. think it, we're really going to know in the next year. Because if he's not the captain next year... Then you have to start questioning, make the, having these questions of 
why is he still here if he's not going to be the captain? And if no one's the captain, what's the point? I actually, I like what you said, Kevin, about we'll know within the next year because I think that this upcoming draft will tell a lot about what direction this team is going to go center ice-wise. And the reason I say that is, yes, we're going back to the draft really quickly because it matters. Because I refer to them as like the top, the big seven or the big six. And in this upcoming 2020 draft, there are a lot of of offensive, catalyst, dynamic, franchise-altering players. This is one of the deepest offensive drafts we have seen in years. And and like this, this 2020 draft where is going to blow 19 out of the water based on the projections people are having some of these players, what some of them are doing already over in Europe, what some of them are doing up in the junior leagues in Canada. I mean, we're talking about possibly nine or ten guys that could alter things in the league. And that, and, and that's just next next season. I mean... Just, not, no, not, I can't even I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not going to interrupt you, Russ. Yeah. But yeah. these guys, just as, you know, just a query for people who don't pay attention to prospects, are these... NHL ready guys like well, right off the bat point. and I was getting to that so thank like, you out of nine like track. let's say let's say the top 10 guys how many okay. would you say like off the top of your head would make the NHL like to not doesn't make, matter the team just like, saying just, we'll make the league okay will, will they make so, the league do they have the potential I was gonna agree with jail there yeah. like <laughs> out of the top out of the big the big guns coming out of draft next year I think you can expect to see Alexi Lafreniere Quentin Byfield Alexander Holtz, Lucas Raymond, and probably Jamie Drysdale all in the NHL next year. I think all those guys, that's another guy too. uh, Anton Lundell is one of my favorite players in this draft, and I think he's going to be a guy that can make an impact next year as well. And really very team to team at that point then. The the reason that I brought this up too originally was because if the Rangers do get another ridiculously high pick this year, which is entirely possible with the way they're playing, um, on the defensive side of the puck, and again, I ask this question to both of you, with contracts being what they are, what if the Rangers do take someone like Quentin Byfield or an Anton Lundell or a Tim Stutzel next year, someone that is an offensively gifted catalyst-type center who, you know, maybe over the next few years really shines and Philip Hedl keeps his keeps the track up that he's going on, and Leah Sanderson, you know, comes up and plays a great third line center role, and Brett Howden solidifies himself into a fourth line center role. It just begs the question: What do you do when Mika Zibanejad's contract is up? Well, I think with the cap going up, I, I and you have like Kevin alluded to with contracts like Lundqvist, Stahl, and and uh, Smith pretty much being off the books. I, I think, you know. And then you also have other players, too, who are slightly older who will probably get moved like a Jesper Fast, like a Tony D'Angelo, and, you know, like a Chris Kreider. Pavel Buchnevich. Pavel Buchnevich, too. You know, possibility. It's a possibility. For that. Sure. I, think, yeah. I think he's more of a, a trade candidate than anything. So, again, you never really know what can happen, but... I just I don't see the Rangers not really sicking their teeth into Mika, and I think that they used to do this a lot a couple of seasons ago when they I think Glenn Sather was notorious for leaving his RFAs out to dry and then getting a good deal for them out in you know just before the season started. So not to say that Jeff Gordon would probably do the same thing, but I think 
the, with the cap going up, and obviously you're going to have Seattle coming in, and and that the cap's going to definitely be a lot. Well, yeah, you automatically lose a player right there. Yeah, automatically. So regardless so, of their cap hit, you're at least yeah. losing a million dollars. That's yeah. true. I mean, expansion is something every every team is going to have to we, think of. Although you got to really I start do, thinking about that. That's true. Although I do think that expansion is going to go a lot differently this time after teams see how the Golden Knights fleeced almost half the league last time. But that is a conversation for another day. Um, regardless, I mean. It's very interesting, and I like all the points that you both brought up because I do think Mika Zibanejad will be here for the long haul. I think, like JL said, they're going to sink their teeth into Zibanejad. And by no means do I want Mika Zibanejad to leave. I think Mika Zibanejad, I'd love to have him around for a long time. It's just contracts being what they are, expansion looming, um, it, it wanting to pay your young guys. It's something that I'm sure internally they're thinking about and that fans might start thinking about soon too. And you know, and so, you know but one more point on that before we move on to our next topic. You also have to... F- take into account how the state of the team will be once that time comes up because maybe the Rangers are perennial playoff contenders on the on the cusp of being a cup team and Mika says you know what I'll take a little bit less to stick around it has been done before I mean you absolutely perfect example is the guys like Patrice Bergeron and and Steven Stamkos Stamkos and, and and David Pasternak they took far less than what their market share is, but they stuck around because they know that that team is capable of winning a cup, and that's evidence. Um, that's evident with what happened over the summer previously. So, if you think about it, if the rain, another factor is if the Rangers are in it by the time or close to when his contract runs out, you know, maybe he might take a discount. The the best part about this Rangers team and. They're they're still so raw. They're still like you know percolating and all this great stuff. But they there's some games that we watch that they're so good, and they look so much better than the other team. Even if it's for two periods out of three, they could have one horrendous period. The other two are just fantastic. It's just then you start to question how many years are they really away from being? I don't want to say legitimate cup contenders, but legitimate playoff contenders. Now, playoff, could that be next year? Depending I, on who's here, which guys come in, who they sign, what they get traded for, all this other stuff. But absolutely, with what they're forming now, with the prospects that they've accumulated over the past two years, it's really possible that they could have a playoff contending team next season. Now, would they go far? Probably not. But then that's when Mika Zibanejad's going to start getting serious. That's when Mika Zibanejad would be like, look, I'll take those deals. I want to stay here. I want to play with Artemi. I want to play with Kako. I want to play with Fox. All these guys that I've worked with, I've grown, and I've you know, kind of led into this NHL greatness. Yeah. It's just and it, he wants to be that leader, then he'll take the discount. I think that merits, you know, I think that's true. You know, it depends where the Rangers are in the timeline. But that, like I said, that is a conversation for another time. And uh, we are actually going to take a break next week for the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, everyone will be out enjoying time with their family. JL needs a break with the editing. I know he does. So um, He does too much. He does a lot for us. And you know what? He deserves a week off. And, I mean, look, everyone have a great Thanksgiving. Have a, you know, it's, it's a great time to spend with family, friends, eat a lot of food, enjoy some Thanksgiving showdown that the Rangers are on. showdown. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Next time we join you, it'll be the first week of December, December and the range. We will be discussing Rangers Capitals, Rangers Senators, 
Rangers Canadians, Rangers Wild, Rangers Canes, Rangers Bruins, and Rangers Devils, and possibly even Rangers Golden Knights, depending on when we record on that Monday. So everyone have a great Thanksgiving. The Rangers have a loaded schedule in the next few weeks. And, man, let's see what happens with Leah Sanderson. Again, we wish you all the luck, buddy. Good luck down there. We want to see you back up as soon as possible. And as always, let's go Rangers. with personality that's the idea that launched london's business newspaper city am 15 years ago and it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast the city view where you'll find me city am editor christian may interviewing the most well-known influential and colorful figures from business politics and finance the city view from city am with a new episode every morning it's the perfect start to your working day Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up.